Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Hey, Betties. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. Okay, Bettys. Today we are going to talk about a recent study that came out around intermittent fasting and its effects on weight loss. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health. The list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apreski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box 
free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. Now, the primary researcher here was Dr. Ethan Weiss, and many of you may remember that I had Dr. Weiss on the podcast, and we were talking all about cholesterol. It's a really great episode. Highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. And in our conversation, he actually alluded to this very study. He said, you know, we are going to be... He actually asked me, like, when is this coming out? Because... um, I can't officially talk about the results of this study before the uh, podcast episode comes out. And what he was referring to was that he went through a... He had conducted a randomized clinical trial with 105 participants. And he was looking at the effect of time-restricted eating on weight loss and some other metabolic parameters in both men and women. And he has, we were talking a lot about the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting on that podcast. And the results of the study that he ran, it's called the TREAT randomized uh, clinical trial, was that there was actually no differences in weight loss between those who were intermittent fasting versus those who did not. So I wanted to talk about this study. I wanted to talk about what they found and then what some interpretations might be from a study that was done like this. So a couple of basics around the study. And I think this is important, Betty's, because uh, as an empowered uh, Betty, we can look at literature and we can learn how to understand it. We can learn how to critically think. And I think this is a really good example in terms of how we can do that. So a couple things about the study. So 105 participants, um, relatively large in terms of a human trial. There's been multiple, multiple, multiple animal trials that have looked at intermittent fasting and pretty much all of them. (laughs) And there's been obviously there's some outliers, but a lot of the animal models show a beneficial result with intermittent fasting. So this was done with humans um, and they were looking, so they were divided into two groups. So the first group was a intermittent fast. So there was a time restricted eating. So they were able to eat between 12 PM and 8 PM. And then they had a Another group, which they labeled it the CMT, so um, the consistent meal timing, that's it, the consistent meal timing group. So they were instructed to eat three structured meals per day. So you have two groups here. One is the TRE group, so they can eat ad libitum, meaning they can eat as much as they want between 12 p.m. and 8 p.m. And then they had to completely abstain from caloric intake from 8 p.m. until 12 p.m. the following day. So there's a six, so what we're saying here is in the TRE group, the intermittent fasting group, there's a 16-hour fast followed by an eight-hour eating window. And then we have the consistent meal timing group. So they were to eat three structured meals per day. No limits on calories in either group. No limits on or no guidance on macronutrient composition in the diet. So there was no uh, guidance on protein intake, no guidance on fat intake, no no guidance on carbohydrate intake. And what they were looking for was to see what the effect of a 16-8 fast was going to have on some metabolic risk factors, things like fasting blood glucose, uh, fasting insulin, uh, blood lipids, et cetera, and weight loss, of course, as well. So what did they find? So they found 
found basically no after, and it was a 12 week trial. So also relatively longer as well. So some of the human trials that we've seen, we see them, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. So 12 weeks is also longer in terms of the time that they studied them. So what did they find? They found basically no difference in terms of weight loss, no difference in terms of fat loss. No, and these are statistically significant differences. So no statistically significant differences in fat loss and weight loss in basically any health markers. So the fasting blood glucose, the fasting insulin, the lipids. Um, what they did find was in the group that was doing intermittent fasting, they noticed that they had spontaneously decreased their activity level. So their step count had decreased and their uh, resting metabolic rate was also lowered, but it was not statistically significant. Um, They also found troubling, this is a little more potentially a bit more troubling, was that the group that was intermittent fasting also had a statistically significant decrease in their lean body mass, meaning their functional tissue, aka muscle. And this is one of the things that is really important for us to consider as we age, we want more lean body mass. We want more of that functional tissue, that muscle, because that is what is going to help us stay mobile. It is going to drive bone density. It is going to drive uh, drive brain growth, brain girth, all of that, those good things, obviously, uh, you know, strength and uh, all, and, you know, metabolic health as well. When you look at this, on and the lead researcher, Dr. Weiss, said, you know, after the results of this study, he no longer practices intermittent fasting. And of course, now I've been asked by at least a dozen people to comment on this study and what it means and does intermittent fasting not actually work? And there's been many media outlets that have said, you know, new new study shows, you know, media, they love their sound bites, right? Like new study shows that uh, intermittent fasting doesn't work for weight loss. And I just want to say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So there's a couple of things that we can tease apart here, right? So we want to be able to look at some of the limitations of the study and then potentially what the results the study mean in terms of future considerations for more studies like this to be done and maybe follow-up studies. I mean, this may be the first in many that Dr. Weiss and his team conduct. So a couple of shortcomings that I find. One, and potentially the most significant, is that all of these results were self-reported. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. So what does that mean? mean. When we think about self-reported, that is the, basically that is the, um, 
the honor system, right? That is the patient coming in into the study and saying, yep, I complied with the three meals a day, or I complied with the 12, eight, you know, protocol that you prescribed me. But when you actually look in the, when you look at the, at the report, 92% of the group that was uh, eating three standard meals a day complied and 83% of the IF group complied with the TRE. So what does non-compliance mean, right? So when the CMT group, when the people who were eating three meals a day didn't comply, did that include partial intermittent fasting? Like did they skip breakfast or skip lunch or skip dinner? Um, you know, did it mean not ever complying? Like, or how long did they not comply, right? So uh, what's the consistency of the non-compliance? So we don't really have an understanding of what compliance and non-compliance means. And then of course, similar questions apply around compliance for the TRE group where compliance was even lower. So we had an 83.5% compliance. So, you know, call it 15 and change percent of the time, they weren't complying. So what does that mean? They were eating outside the window for how long? You know, did it mean that happened for stretches of time? Like all of that is is super important because when you have that absence of accurate and reliable compliance information, it really does diminish the value of the results, in my opinion, reported in this article. And then of course, the other two major glaring things that you may have already picked up on is that there was no caloric limitation here. So you can, and I say this all the time, like you could eat a keto ketogenic diet and you could still be eating a stand, like you could think that you're doing keto, but you could be doing a standard American diet. If all you're eating is keto cookies and keto crackers and keto chips and keto bars, you're not doing keto. All right. Let's just be honest here. We have to be thinking about the caloric, when when we equate everything else, calories in and calories out do matter. So does the macronutrient composition of the diet. And when you give somebody, you know, in a study, if the participants are allowed to eat ad libitum, meaning they can eat whatever the F they want for eight hours, like I could pack in, like I could probably pack in like five, 6,000 calories if I really, if I really felt like it right in that eight hours. Um, but I'd still be technically compliant with the um, with the parameters uh, in my group or in my cohort. So calories not, I mean, there's in, in my very strong opinion, and this is with all due respect, and maybe there's a follow-up study that needs to be done, Dr. Weiss. But if there's really no point in doing a, um, a study like this when you don't equate for calories because then you cannot really see the differences between the two groups. Because if you have one group that is eating more calories or less, or it's completely it's completely all over the place, uh, then you really can't study and control for that variable. And the other thing is when we are fasting, one of the things that we do, and I've talked about this before, is when you don't have adequate protein intake. So when we think about restricting all of our calories, like fasting is a extreme form of caloric restriction. If you are, you know, to the point, uh, one of the, the more troubling findings that Dr. Weiss and his team found was that the intermittent fasting group it, uh, had a significantly larger lean body mass reduction. Well, you could very easily, um, if you are not mechanically stimulating the muscles, meaning if you do not have any exercise, you're not lifting weights, you're not going for walks, anything like that, then of course you're going to, of course you're going to lose muscle. If you, like it's use it or lose it, right? Of course you're, of course that's going to happen. So not controlling for exercise, I think is also a shortcoming of this study. So what does this mean? 
I think that intermittent fasting, just like, you know, you, I mean, you, you just, you can't intermittent fast your way out of a bad diet. Like uh, intermittent fasting is a tool. It is a very powerful weight loss tool when done correctly. What we want to be thinking about is of course, thinking about our calories as well. When you can, when you are looking at a lab study like this, you really want to be able to control for a few more variables other than to see what happens spontaneously. So I would want to see this type of study redone again in a way that both groups, both cohorts have their calories uh, equated or they are uh, controlled for. And I would like there to be um, something other than self-reporting. Cause I think that self-reporting, I mean, there's so many, there's so many psychological verticals that you can go down with, with self-reporting, but you can go down the, uh, like you tell me, Betty, like, what did you eat two days ago? Right? Like if you can remember that, like, I'd be super impressed because I don't know what I ate two days ago. So, you know, the, the amount of reliability of that data in and of itself, coupled with a psychological bias, when you are trying, if you, you are in a study, you know that you are being studied, you know that you are being watched, you are going to tend to put a bit of a spin on it, right? Or, I mean, this has been shown over and over. We have these um, cognitive biases that we will uh, over-report um, the positive and under-report the negative. And we see this in the weight loss world all the time, right? When you have someone saying, oh, you know, I eat healthy. And when you actually ask them, you know, how many calories do you think you had? If you are not w- measuring your calories, if you're not if you're not actually quantifying it, typically people will over-report their, or sorry, under-report their caloric consumption by somewhere between 30 and 50%. Like it's an egregious amount. So we really want to be thinking thinking about um, the biases, the inherent built-in biases to this study. And I think that intermittent fasting, I still stand with the opinion that I've held for you know several years now that in time-restricted eating is a very powerful way for us to, in conjunction with other healthful practices like eating whole foods, like getting good sleep, like having resistance training and adequate protein and adequate fats and a carbohydrate appropriate macronutrient composition in your diet is a very healthy and sustainable way to not only lose weight, but to improve your metabolic um, function. So happy that to see that a study like this was attempted. I think that it can be cleaned up in some ways. And for those of you who are looking for the study itself, if you want to take a look at it, I will put it in the show notes for you to check out as well. I hope that you found this useful and we'll see you next week for more geeky magic. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's geeky magic carpet ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed. 
and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.